0: share a, the start of a story from scripture with you and this is for for those who have ever had your world turned upside down or just kind of even in the middle of the day when I didn't think it was going to go this way and had a, a moment of surprise or disappointment um, this is a story of a couple of disciples who are walking along a the road they decided to take a walk after Jesus had died like they were disappointed they were they were confused and so they were looking for answers and really they were looking for Jesus to be with them so here is the beginning of their story That same day, two of them were walking to the village Emmaus, about seven miles out of Jerusalem. They were deep in conversation, going over all these things that had happened. In the middle of their talk and questions, Jesus came up and walked along with them, but they were not able to recognize who he was. He asked, What's this you're discussing so intently as you walk along? They just stood there, long-faced, like they had lost their best friend. Then one of them his name was Cleopas, said, Are you the only one in Jerusalem who hasn't heard what's happened during the last few days? He said, What has happened? This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Good morning, church.
1: Oh, you can do a little better than that. Good morning, church. Come on, I'm the youth pastor. You can be a little loud. Um, my name is Pierce, and uh, as we continue this series on more than more than I can handle. Um, We're in our third week, and Jacob just did one of our pastors an incredible job of setting this up for us. Week one, if you haven't heard it, you can go back and listen to it online. Like, What does it mean to live a life where just life as a whole feels like it's more than I can handle? And then last week, he so incredibly opened the Scriptures to us to a story of Jesus and a rich young ruler. And he pointed to the fact that the rich young ruler goes away I'm um, sad, and, and Jesus wasn't talking that money was evil, but that the the rich young ruler had a master in money, and you can't have two masters. And so a few months ago, Jesus, or, uh, Jacob, not Jesus, Jacob um, called me and said, "Hey, would you preach?" and uh, would you preach on disappointment? And I was like, I can do that. And, um, and so I sat down with my wife that night at uh, dinner, and I said, hey, um, is there a story? I'm trying to think. I've got to preach on disappointment. Is there something I can share? And she begins to say all these things, and I was like, that's way too much. Um, and then I was like, I need one I can actually share in public. And she was like, oh, list is shorter. And, um, and so uh, she took me back to uh, one of the first times we actually had met, and I'd forgotten all about this. It was our junior, my junior year of college, her freshman year. Some of you know my story. I was raised in the church. I'm a pastor's kid, but I left the church and left the faith for years and, and came back to, to faith going into my junior year of college. And so this was a few months later, and uh, I had helped the campus ministry put together a freshman retreat, and she was a freshman. And so we, we go up to this beautiful cabin in North Georgia, and, and we rented it for the weekend, and there's a beautiful river behind it. And so we get there, and, and we all start spreading out, and I'm in, helping out and everything. And so I start making my way outside after everything is set up, and I look to my right, and at what should be at every embankment of a river, but that of a rope swing. And then I saw this cute girl, let's call her Claire, on the dock, and I thought, as a good you know young man, and my mind just clicked, and I said, I know exactly what needs to happen now. I need to run, jump off this uh, rope swing, and, and this is going to impress her. She's going to fall in love with me. We're going to get married, and we're going to move to Nashville. And, like, I saw it all in that moment. And, uh, and so I run, and I don't know why boys do this, um, but I just started making noises that didn't even make sense, like running down this hill. And I grabbed the rope, and I run up the embankment, and I, and I launch out over, <laughs> Jacob, you say launch out into the deep. I launched out over the river and um, committed to this backflip, and... And I was like, 15, 20, numbers don't really matter. I was high above the, the water. And I looked down, and when I looked down to the river, I realized something. Well, this was only about two feet deep. And, and that was it. And so we're, we're talking about this story the other day. Like I said, I forgot a lot about it. And as I'm talking, like she's on her phone, and I'm kind of aggravated because she's not paying attention. And then, and then she turns her phone to me, and she shows me this. She was like, that moment? And I said, wait, hold on. You took a picture? Um, and just so y'all know, the next day I found the gym and, uh, and protein and push-ups. And uh, we can take that down, Jay. Um, but I remember in that moment, she said I had to put it up. Um, she's, in that moment, I just remember feeling like I laughed at a second. She said, I, I yelled out, it's not that deep. And I got up and I walked back to the cabin. And my walking back to the cabin, I just remember feeling disappointed. In a lot of things, I was disappointed in myself for not checking, for being just dumb. I was disappointed in all my friends that were like down by the river. Nobody said anything to me. They saw me grab the rope. They saw me run up the embankment. Nobody said, Pierce, it's not that deep. Nobody said anything. I was mad at God for not raining more and not providing a deeper river for me to impress my future wife. Um, It it worked to some degree. Like I said, we got married. Um, But it's funny we look back at that and we look back at disappointment sometimes in our life and, and we can laugh about it. Or maybe we can just talk about it, not cry about it. Sometimes we're so close to the disappointment that it overwhelms us. But when then distance comes and distance separates us from those moments, we can look at it a little differently. Today, I want to look at for the time we have left um, what does it mean for disappointment to be more than we can handle? More than we can carry. Some of you are sitting on the edge of your seats this morning, not because, um, if we're just honest, not because you're excited to be here, not because of anything, but because there's some disappointment in your life that has happened this week, or maybe even right in this morning. And this disappointment uh, has caused you to to not be able to focus and, and you're and you're struggling, like you just you want to leave and you want to get out of here and you want to be able to handle the other things. Some of us are carrying some disappointment that are 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, and it truly has affected how we have lived our life since those moments. And disappointment is nothing new in the Bible. Disappointment almost starts at the very beginning and works its way through the whole book of the Bible, where people find themselves disappointed, and I like to call it three things, in the world, and just life in general, in others, and in ourselves. And Jesus talked about this. Jesus Talk to his disciples, his guys. In fact, the last time he got together with his guys, it was in an upper room, around a table. And in this process, he tells them this in John's book of the Bible. He says, "'A time is coming, and in fact has come, "'when you will be scattered, each to your own home. "'You will leave me all alone, yet I am not alone, "'for my Father is with me. "'I have told you these things, so that in me you may have peace. "'In this world you will have trouble.'" but take heart, I have overcome the world. So if Jesus is very clear that we're going to have trouble, we're going to have disappointment, those things are going to happen, then the question is raised, how does Jesus enter our story when we're disappointed? I love the line in Jacob's sermon last week where he ended the sermon. He talked about how Peter, uh, or Jesus went after the cross and after the resurrection. He went and found Peter on the beach and fixed him breakfast. In fact, a few of us got a text this morning from Pastor Jacob on that very beach in the Holy Land this morning. Jesus also went after Thomas, doubting Thomas and said, I'm not gonna believe until I see the holes in his hands. And Jesus showed up in a room with with his disciples and looked at Thomas and said, touch my hands and touch my side. Give me fish to eat. Because in disappointment, disappointment leaves us feeling defeated. In denial of what's happened, It distances us from others. And so this morning, we're going to look at two more guys that have walked away in these moments, that have left Jesus. We find them walking on a road to Emmaus. And it says that Jesus draw near them. The first thing we can learn, that in our disappointment, Jesus walks with us. I mean, this really does have to be our foundational anchor moment of the day. This is where we have to kind of plant our feet and hold tight and hold strong because this is the thing that's going to set up everything else. The fact that if Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore, and if Jesus interacted with these disciples the same way he interacts with us, that means that if Jesus walked with them in their disappointment and they didn't even see it, he walks with you in yours. You may not see it. Verse 15 says this, Jesus came up and walked along with them, but they were not even able to recognize who he was. So we have to understand that our anchor point for today is that Jesus, even no matter where our disappointment is, 50 years ago or five minutes ago, Jesus is walking with us in this disappointment. The second thing is, in our disappointment, Jesus listens to us. Now, twice in this in this conversation in this story on the road to Emmaus Jesus asked these questions to these guys so he rolls up with them they're they're both leaving Jerusalem they're headed to Emmaus and Jesus says this first he goes what are you discussing so intently as you walk along now, I think this is very interesting. It kind of gives you a picture of how they're discussing this. They're not haphazardly discussing this. They're not calmly discussing this. No, their best friend was just murdered. The person who they believe to be the Savior of the world, the Son of God, is murdered and in a tomb in their mind. And he was on Saturday, but this is now Sunday. They don't realize what has happened fully, and they're disappointed. And Jesus well, what are you talking about? Like, this is odd, because how many of you at Kroger in the checkout line look at the people in front of you and go, so what are you guys talking about? Like that would be weird, right? Like we're all at checkout line, we got our eggs and our milk and, and all the other basic stuff and it's like you just lean into somebody. Like I go there a lot and I go because that cute girl on the dock sends me to get groceries a lot and, and I also get a lot of snacks and so I have a hard time picking over the Hershey bar or the Snickers bar. Like I'm gonna get me a snack if I'm gonna do this and I hear a lot of conversations. But I don't know if I've ever just leaned in and gone what are you talking about? So they look at Jesus, and after not knowing it's him, right, but they look at this man, and they go, well, wait, we're walking in the same direction. You're coming from Jerusalem. We're coming from Jerusalem. That means you've been in Jerusalem. How do you not know what's happened these last few days? How do you not know? And Jesus goes, he says this. The second time, he goes, what things? What things have happened? And they say, well, man, this, this man, Jesus, mighty of word, indeed, great, and a man of God, was killed unjustly. We thought he was the one. In fact, the scripture says, they say we had hoped he was the son of God. Our hope is now gone. Jesus just begins to listen. And it's in this listening that it teaches us that Jesus, although he knows your story, is the author of your story and has walked with you from the very beginning, wants to hear your story from your perspective. How incredible is that? Jesus, who knows all things, desires to hear your story from your mouth. How would you put it together? What are the words that you would say? How would the anger, the disappointment, the the joy, the, the confusion, the questions you have, how would they raise up in you? So after walking with them and listening to them, he then begins to teach them. So in our disappointment, Jesus teaches us. Now, the, the order here is incredible to me as I read this story, because if anybody has the right and the privilege and the authority to walk into a story as you're talking, you go, know, hold on, pause, pause on your story, I know everything, and you're like, but you but like, but, but, but you know, don't worry about it, I know all things, let me tell you how to handle it, it's Jesus, he has the right to do that, he's the only person that has the right to do that, yet because he loves you so greatly, he walks alongside of you, he listens to you, and then after listening to you, he begins to teach. So often we aren't open to teaching until we know we've been heard. And Jesus knows that. Jesus understands that. So he listens. And Jesus began to teach them. He says this, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. On this seven-mile walk, Jesus actually had a lot to say. We read this and it's like, okay, he talked about Moses and the prophets, but what this means for us reading the scripture passage is that Jesus actually, after hearing all that they have said, now begins to teach them. He starts in Genesis and he works his way all the way through the Old Testament and with the prophets and he shows them, here's where Jesus was, here's where the Messiah was talked about. Here's where they said he would have to suffer these things. Here's where they said he would be resurrected. Here's where this, and he he just walks them through this incredible passage. But if we aren't careful the story can stop there. Because let's be honest, that's a good ending. Right? Like, they were disappointed. They were hurt. And in their disappointment and their hurt, they left everything they known to go back to what could only be assumed as home for them, the seven-mile journey. And now we know that Jesus has drawn near to them. And if Jesus drew near to them, he drew near, drew, draws near to you. And if, and if that is the case, then Jesus is also listening to you and hearing your story and hearing what you have to say. That's incredible. And Jesus doesn't even just stop just listening, but he has something to teach you in these moments. He has something to teach you out of the disappointment. I'm not belittling and and, and putting small the disappointments that we carry. In fact, they're actually real disappointments that we walk with and we carry with. What I'm trying to do, though, is point us to a greater thing than our disappointment. And that's what Jesus is doing. But these two men, these two disciples of Jesus, they say something to him. And it's something that I hope that we can say to ourselves and we can say to Jesus leaving here today. And maybe even just in this moment, they look at Jesus after all the teaching and they say, stay with us. Stay with us. When's the last time you just told Jesus, just stay with us? Just stay with me. I know I'm a mess. I know this is a mess. It's more than I can handle. Will you just, will you just stay with me? Will you just stay with us? They understood something, even though they didn't realize it was Jesus, what they understood was that the teacher was greater than the lesson. And they had gotten some lessons, but they wanted more time with the teacher. Because at the root of this is this. This isn't in your notes. I don't believe. No. But you can write it down. The invitation revealed the revelation. The invitation for him to stay with them, for them to to, to come into their midst, to spend the night, to to, to walk alongside of them, to stay with them, in all of their stuff revealed the revelation of who Jesus is. Because it says this in Luke So he went to stay with them. And when he was at the table with them, he took bread, he gave thanks, he broke it and began to give it to them. It was in this disappointment and in our disappointment that Jesus reveals himself to us. It's in the breaking of this bread that that they see Jesus. We get a hint, we're not told specifically, but we get this hint that these guys were in that room just nights before where Jesus broke bread last time with them. And so they invite him in. They say, stay with us. And Jesus reveals himself to them. The lesson was and is today, the end goal is Jesus. For Jesus, let me be really clear. For Jesus, the end goal is not for you to receive a lesson and to learn to walk better. The end goal for Jesus is for you to see a resurrected Jesus. That's the end goal for our encountering and our relationship with Jesus Jesus, Jesus is desperately trying to open their eyes to see who he is. All along the whole time before, walking in their midst and they're not even knowing it was him. They said this, they said, did our hearts not burn within us while he talked to us on the road? While he opened the scriptures to us? That they felt him, but they didn't know it. They felt Jesus, but they didn't know it. I don't know about you, but that that happens for me when we get together with our small group and and we begin to talk about life and talk about things that are going on. I feel Jesus in those moments. I don't physically see Jesus, but I feel him. I know that sounds weird, but when I come in here on care night on Tuesday nights, I feel Jesus in this place. When I walk in on Sunday morning, I feel Jesus when I'm having just good food and, 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 and fellowship with friends. I feel Jesus in this moment. That's what they did. So, here's what we have to understand. Jesus has a role in our disappointment. He walks with us, He listens to us, He talks to us, He teaches us, and ultimately He reveals Himself to us. So, we also have a role in this relationship with Jesus in our disappointment. If Jesus is going to do those things, we have these things to do. We need to look for Jesus because the truth is there. He is around us in some capacity. So we need to look for Jesus. We need to talk to Jesus. Maybe that's where you are today in your disappointment, in the things that you're carrying. You just haven't actually, you've held them in your heart, you've held them in your soul, you've held them in your mind, but you actually haven't put those words on your lips and talked to them out loud. And maybe today that's the step you need to take. You simply need to take the disappointments that you carry and speak them out to God. We need to listen to Jesus. In our disappointment, we need to know that we have a Father who is loving and all-knowing and suffered all things and was tempted with all things, yet is without sin. And so if anyone is able to teach us how to move through this disappointment, it's Jesus. And so we need to listen. And finally, we need to expect to see Jesus. I don't know a football fan out there that's a true football fan. That walks into the stadium, or turns on CBS or ABC, and to turn on ESPN to watch the game, and is a true fan of the team and expects his team to lose. You didn't expect your team to lose yesterday, did you? No, Michigan. Woo, that was bad. Y'all can laugh at that. No, I didn't say a Tennessee joke. Picking on Penn State today. But how often is it that we walk into small group, if we're honest, I'm including myself fully here. We walk into small group, we walk into care night, we walk into relationship, we walk in relationship with our spouse, we walk into church on Sunday mornings, and and it's just going through the motions and we actually don't expect to meet with Jesus in the first place. And so maybe then we leave and we go, man, I didn't really feel Jesus that day. But how did we come in? What was our posture coming in? Do we expect to see Jesus? I think our expectation will reveal a lot of times Jesus. But the story again could end there, but it doesn't says this, that those two guys, they rose at that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord is risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. And then they told of what had happened on this road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. Your story to tell, because you have a story to tell, is greater than the pain of disappointment you walk through. Think about that. The story to tell is greater than the pain of the disappointment that you walk through. All of us have walked through disappointment to some degree or level, whether it be by the world, by others, or if you're like myself, a lot of times it's my own disappointment in myself. There is still within that disappointment a greater story to tell. And the story is not great because you pulled your bootstraps up and you did it all by yourself and you figured everything out. No, your story to tell is great because Jesus was in your story. And Jesus actually carried you in your story. And Jesus revealed himself to you in your story. The disappointments life will bring, Jesus was very clear about this, it's going to be more than we can handle. But it's not more than God can handle. So let me close with this. Um, My wife, uh, Claire, she told me the other day that tomorrow I will be six months away from 30. And I don't know why she likes to tell me those things. Um, and, and so, in all honesty and all just like not joking and making fun, um, yeah, I'm 29, and, and some of you were like just checked out. You were like, I'm done listening to this guy. Like the beard, that's the reason I have the beard. If I didn't have the beard, you'd be like, he's 18. And so, but, but I'm 29, and I'm getting ready to hit 30, and, and, and I take it a true honor, that you would come in and you would sit down and you would listen to how Jesus has impacted my life and entered my story and walked alongside of me and revealed himself to me and, and maybe hopefully out of my story that you can see Jesus and that's all I want you to see in these moments and leave with a different perspective because your eyes are more fixed on Jesus. When Some of you know Jacob's in the Holy Land right now and so maybe you were hoping Mark was preaching. He's preaching next week and so like, like much more life lessons and but 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 even in my young age I carry a lot of disappointment so from the, from the time I was a teenager um, entering 11 years old actually until my early 20s um, I had an addiction I had I had a uh, thing that that just overwhelmed me like I said a lot of you know my story I left the church and walked away from God and I said that's not real and, and then through just a, a crazy encounter with Jesus like I came back to Jesus And but although the years of my addiction are over now I walk outside of it but, but sometimes I find that there's a lot of shame still related to those years of addiction and so I hold on to that and what I've, what I've learned is although I've been set free from the addiction and, and, and have received healing and etc etc there are still moments where this shame just feels overwhelming and Jacob said this the other day he said he said God surrounds us right God holds us as his children as his sons as his daughters he holds us and he protects us so a few years ago understanding that I began to go well why do I feel this shame why do I like as as much as I believe in Jesus and I fully believe in Jesus people I wouldn't be up here if I didn't like like my life is given to him. As much as I believe in Jesus, I also believe there's an enemy. We don't talk about that a lot here, and there's, there's reasons we don't. We don't want to give him press. We don't give the enemy press that he doesn't deserve. We want to put our eyes on Jesus, put our focus on Jesus, our hope in Jesus. But the reality is there is an enemy, and, and the enemy's strategic plan is very simple. It's to kill, steal, and destroy your life and in mine. And if he can't take you out of the grip of a loving father, then he's going to try to turn your face from looking at the father. And so this voice would come up in my life through the last few years after this addiction was over, but this voice would just come up and it would be loud and it would be, be strong and it would be like overwhelming and I, would, I wouldn't understand it and I would question things and I would, I would find myself depressed and all of these things would be happening. But it realized something for me and I realized something. That maybe can help you help you this morning is the fact that if the voice is loud, it means that the, the person or the thing sending the voice can't be close to me. But here's the reality:
0: I got you. Look now. I don't need the mic for
1: you to hear me. I can be really loud on my own. The mic needs to be picking me up for the podcast, but for those of you in the room, you don't need the mic to hear may lose my voice, but you don't need the mic to hear me. And so the enemy comes, and he yells at you about your disappointment. He yells at you that you're not going to be a good spouse. He yells at you that you're not going to get those bills paid, and you're never going to manage money well. He yells at you about your history. He yells at you that you have no hope. He yells at you that all these things are not going to work out. He yells at you when you desperately desire to be with your children and to be a good family and to be a close family. You're never going to be a good family because you're not a good parent. You're not a good spouse. All these things, he will yell at you. And the reason he's yelling is because he's not close. But Jesus says, I just need to whisper because I'm right beside you. Jesus says, I don't have to yell at you. I don't have to raise my voice because the volume in which God speaks to us reveals God's placement beside us. And so in our full disappointment, And maybe the disappointment is over. Maybe we've actually moved away from the disappointment, but there's these things called aftershocks and they're still causing pain and they're still causing hurt even though the moments are over. And we've carried this for so long and the enemy is yelling this over us. We can find truth and we can find hope and we can find joy and we can find rest and peace in the whisper of Jesus. Proverbs 13, 12 says this. It says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. The enemy is trying to take our hope in the moments of our disappointment. Eugene Peterson, who passed away recently, who's an incredible gift to the church, who wrote the message Bible, wrote this scripture this way. He said, unrelenting disappointment leaves you heart sick. And it's so easy to find ourselves there hearing the loud voice. Forgetting that Jesus walks with us, that Jesus listens to us, that Jesus begins to teach us. Whether it be disappointment of five minutes or 55 years or 70 years, the the length of the disappointment doesn't matter. But Jesus is able to whisper at us because he's holding us and he's right beside us. Offering us hope and love. And so we can say this scripture today, Hebrews 4. We can say this with confidence. We can say this as as believers of Jesus. We can say this with authority. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to this faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness slash disappointment, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. I love this. So let us, this is our role, church. This is where we change things. This is how we now adjust with the understanding of this truth. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, not scared, not not quietly. Not, not downcast, no, but with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. This is the role of, of us who follow Jesus. This is a role offered to all of us, whether we follow Jesus or not. Let us read that again. Can we go back one? Right here, read this with me, church, come on. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. This is our part. Let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. I'm not belittling the disappointment, I'm not putting down the hurt. I'm not putting down what you've carried and what life has thrown at you and how others have let you down and betrayed you or how you've let down yourself and and said no yourself. Maybe you're walking in Saturday right now. Maybe your life looks like Saturday right now. And there's a Savior in a tomb and the tomb is closed and he's dead and it's all looking over and, and there's no hope to be seen. Can I just tell you that although you may be in Saturday right now, that Jesus never intended you to stay in Saturday. Jesus intended you to walk through Saturday, whether it be be the world's doing, somebody else's doing, or our own, but to walk through the disappointment because Sunday is coming, because Sunday is right around the corner. Sunday's right here, and there's a resurrected Savior, and hope is not just back, but it's back for eternity, and now we can grab hold of this. But if I'm honest, some of us, and myself included in moments, We're walking in Sunday, but we're holding chains from Saturday. We're walking on Sunday. Resurrected Sunday should be the greatest moment of our life, the greatest joy, the greatest times, because we have been rescued, we have been redeemed, we have been set free, but yet we still are holding things from Saturday. And Jesus is walking alongside of us, walking alongside of us, walking alongside of us, revealing himself to us. Letting us tell our story that he already knows, but from our perspective, he's teaching us. There's things to be learned from our Savior. And he's revealing himself, resurrected to us. So we look for, we talk to, we listen, and we expect to see Jesus. Those disciples said, stay with us. And I pray that's our prayer today and forevermore for Jesus. To stay with us. Because it was in that staying that Jesus was revealed of who He was in the breaking of bread. So just as those two disciples did on the road that day, let us come to the table and meet with Jesus and hear the whisper because He's close. The whisper of a Savior who can handle whatever we're carrying today. We get to leave with a greater story to tell than the disappointment we have carried. Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank You that in the midst of our disappointment, in the midst of our joy, in the midst of the good, the bad, the ugly, and the everything in between, you have walked alongside of us. Looking back on it in moments of our life, we can remember and feel your presence. Just as those two did on that road that day, they said they, they, their hearts, they felt their hearts burn within them because of, because of the encounter they were having with you, even though they didn't realize it was you. And we can look back on our own lives and see where you have intervened and and come beside us, and drew near to us. And you listened to us, and you taught us. And you revealed yourself to us, so that we carry a greater story than the pain we've walked through, not because the pain is light, but because your mercy and your love is extravagant over all things. And so just as the disciples, those two, had you break bread around a table and you were revealed to them, May this morning we come and take bread and juice, doing the very same thing they did 2,000 years ago. And that it may be for us the body and the blood of Christ. So God, send your Holy Spirit on these gifts here. For us, your people. So that we may see clearly who you are. In your name we pray.